Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Good morning, Movement Church. We're in the last week, the home stretch of our series called Asking for a Friend, where we asked over 300 of you to give us feedback about what you want us to talk about. What questions do you have about life? And obviously, we couldn't get through all four of the, all of them in four weeks. So today, we decided we'd just do like all the questions and do a Q&A style session with Pastors Carrie and Megan. But before we start today, I just want to encourage you, pull out your phones, start taking notes, because I am believing that there's going to be something specific for you today that you're just going to want to have to write down. And so just be ready. Raise your level of expectation. God's going to speak something particularly to you today. All right, before we go on, let's just bring out Pastors Carrie and Megan. Woo! Come on, guys. You can do better than that. Give it up. Give it up for your pastors. My goodness. Hey, everybody. How's it going? A few of you good? Good. It's so funny how people get awkward when we change the game up a little bit. Like, what do we do? Like, what's, what's happening right happening? now? <laughs> We're just going to have some fun. Everybody take a deep breath. Do you feel better now? Oh, it's good. So awesome. Good. Awesome. We had so many questions come in where people were just struggling with faith and purpose and, and so many big things. So we're going to just dive into that awesome. today. Um, but our first question is, how do I know my purpose? How do I know God's plan for my life? That's a great, that's a great question. <laughs> just dive like right in. Question. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> right? I actually think this is one that is perplexing for most yeah. people that we, uh, in fact, all of humanity is searching for the question of, you know, who am I and why am I here? Uh, do I have purpose? Is there more to my life than, uh, than just, uh, just living and breathing and moving? But I, I want to just start with, right off the bat, probably one of my favorite passages of Scripture is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And it kind of answers or summarizes the question uh, very, very clearly for us. And it, it reads this. And it's very powerful. In fact, if you're here and you're a human, you need this verse. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is okay. not of your own doing it is the gift of God and that's an important component the verse in verse 9 it says this not a result of works so that no one may boast and that's important so what it's saying is that all of us have received the gift of grace but not through works so this is contrary to most people's belief most of us believe as humans that we've got to earn God's love for our life most people don't go to church because they feel like they haven't gotten their life in order or I have to get cleaned up before I cross through the threshold of a church, but it couldn't be further from the truth. God loves us exactly as we are, even in, especially in the darkest moments of our life, and it's not because of anything we can do to earn God's love. That's why it says it's not by works, but Christians even still believe this because we think, hey, when I do too many sins or when I act poorly, then God probably is disappointed with me. Yeah. And that's never the case. He always loves us. He's never disappointed. He's always honored to be the father of our life. Does that make sense? But the verse goes on. It says in verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. The word workmanship actually means masterpiece, like a masterpiece yep. of art. Created in Christ Jesus, look at this, for good works. 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Now, this is a dichotomy, is it not? We can't earn salvation through works, yet we've been created to do good works. Right. This is very challenging for us because we go, wait, what does that have to do? Uh, where do I fit? Am I working to receive God's love? But no, I think that we were created to do something awesome. And I think a lot of times when it comes to purpose, we live the Southwest oh, preach, Airlines preach. life. Man, I feel like preaching today. <laughs> and, and, and we go, oh, well, so-and-so is already doing that, so maybe there's not a seat for me. And so-and-so is already here. Well, there's already a preacher. We don't really need my role here. And we kind of make our way to a seat that seems like it's kind of open for me. But look at me, God uniquely crafted every individual in here with a specific purpose that is unique to you and you alone. You and you alone. And that is essential. So what does that mean? If works can't get me saved, but I'm created to do a good work, why is that? Because the work that God's created me to do is for someone else. Yeah. But in the process, I find fulfillment. Yeah. I find fulfillment. Listen, every single person that you saw up here on this stage, it, it, they are not paid to do this. They volunteer. Did you see Jeff playing the drums? He looks like Animal from the Muppets. Animal, like that, right? And we get to that drum solo, and he lifts his hands up so high. Did you see him? And his smile was so big. Why? Because he is doing a good work. And what you don't know is he just got back from uh, being at his home a week ago where he buried his father. You didn't know that. Our bass player who was over here playing the bass with a beautiful beard and his wife, who's also beautiful, Shana, got a phone call yesterday that Josh's father passed away and they fly home on Tuesday. And so there's something about when I walk in the purpose of my life that it gives meaning to the pain I'm walking through. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, that was a lot better than you, amen. So Jeff walks through pain and yet he's beating the drums going crazy. Why? Because, man, he's worshiping God. And as a result, you get to worship God. So God does this amazing thing where he takes my gift mix, my talent. I can't play the drums like Jeff can, <laughs> and probably you can't either. Even if you think you can, you can't. <laughs> but he also takes my personality. God crafted you with a specific, unique personality. Like, there's a reason you get annoyed with the things you get annoyed with, and you love the things that you love. Yeah. It's not just because you're awesome, which you are. You it's absolutely because God created are. you that way. So he gave you a gift mix or a talent. He gave you a personality and he gave you passions. Yeah. Things that you get passionate about that other people may not necessarily get passionate about. And when you take those three things right smack dab in the middle is God's unique purpose for your life. Yeah, come on. I think sometimes people wonder, well, what, what am I passionate about? And, and that would just be something that, something that excites you, something that moves you, something that compels you that may be different than your neighbor, the person you're sitting next to. Um, that's how you identify that. I was telling first service, my daughter Avery is um, extremely compassionate when it comes to uh, the homeless population in our state. For, for some reason, it's just something that moves her heart, and she wants to make an impact and do something to help those people. And it's not something that we even taught her, not that we've, we've taught her to be generous and taught her to be loving and compassionate, but it's, it's a passion inside of her. It's something that moves her heart. It's something that makes her feel compassion or feel excited about doing something. And, and I think every single one of us has passions, things that we're excited about, whether it's, it's teaching. Some of us love to teach, whether it's adults or children. And, and some of us would prefer to never be asked to talk in front of people ever, right? And so there's, there's some things that might just stir your heart and make you excited or make you feel moved with compassion. And that's how you identify what you're passionate about. 
That's great. So anyhow, just something to think through. And if you looking to me to add to that? I thought you were like on the edge of your seat ready just, to add I'm to so it. I'm so mesmerized by your oh beauty. Oh my gosh, stop that it. I just, I just want to look at you oh, more. Okay. No, I, I think also those of you who are here, and maybe you're just trying to discover what is, what is my personality and, and what am I passionate about and what, what are the things I'm good at? What am I gifted at? If you've never been to our Welcome to Church party, then you may not know that we have something that you can do that makes it very simple for you to identify your personality and your spiritual giftings. And um, if you're here and you're taking notes, which hopefully you all are, because Gurley told you to do this, so hopefully you all are, you can text the word TEST. Okay, it's not a scary test, it's a fun test. You can text the word TEST to 949-267-3242. And listen, we will send you a spiritual gifting. I'm kidding. <laughs> we'll send you a spiritual giftings test and a personality test to help you discover what it is that you're passionate about and what it is that, that God actually has created you for. But I can tell you this, if you're here today and you are a Christ follower, Okay, if you're here today and you call yourself a Christ follower, those of you that are here and you're just exploring faith, there's people that are in the room that maybe you're just, you're going, I'm not really sure what I believe and, and my, my statement to you would be permission to belong before you believe, but I want to challenge you. If you are a Christ follower, the purpose that is a collective purpose on all of our lives is found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. And Jesus said this, which means I think it's pretty important. Jesus said, you are to go and make disciples of all nations. There's this collaborative purpose that is in every single one of our lives about advancing the kingdom of God. That there's no one in this room that calls themselves a Christ follower that does not have a purpose attached to your life to advance the kingdom of God. And I've just got to tell you that there is no greater way to do that than to be a part of building the church. The church is actually the greatest form of evangelism known today. And so part of our purpose is to figure out what part can I play within the church to help advance the cause of Christ. So there's a purpose inside of each and every one of us attached to our giftings, attached to the things we're passionate about, attached to our personality. And listen, there's a purpose attached to building the church. So if you're not a part of the dream team yet, shameless plug, you gotta jump on and be a part of the dream team. You, have, you are missing out. If you have never, right. if you have never been a part of a group of people who are living their life to make a difference, I'm just telling you, you're missing out, and and that's not a sales pitch, right? No, but listen, it's why we exist. We don't need volunteers at the Movement Church. We want to empower you to do what you're created to do, and there's something for everyone. It's not every week. It's on a rotation. Right now, hey, Scott, are you ready? Uh, on the count of three, give me a blackout on the lights. Are you guys ready? One, two, three. <laughs> Would y'all give it up for Scott oh, Gordy? So good. so good. And you know what he's doing? You can go ahead and kick the lights back on. <laughs> he's training right now, Ethan, who is a brand new sixth grader, who he's behind the scenes right now, making where you can see our beautiful, their beautiful faces in this mean <laughs> mug right here. Are you tracking Stop. with me right now? Yeah. Okay, hey, listen, it doesn't matter. Every single one of us was crafted uniquely for something. So you want to know how to walk in purpose? Jump on the dream team. We'll help you align your passions, your personality, and your gift mix and find the very essence of why God created you. Just do something. It's hey, good. it's a lot easier to steal, steer a car that's in motion than a parked car, yeah. right? So, so just do something. Put your hands to something and, and see what God does with it. That's great. Yeah. I love that. I love, it's 
so much what you said, but specifically, I think the part about purpose, pursuing purpose in the midst of the pain. That was yeah. for somebody in this room today, so write that down. But let's move on. So I think so many people, it doesn't matter where you are at with your walk with God or how long you've been walking with God. I think so many of us have asked this next question about can I hear God's voice or how do I hear God's voice? How do I know if I have? Can you just maybe speak to that? Yeah, I, I think the first part we need to answer is that you can hear God's voice. Um, I think in the culture that we live in, it can become so easy to attend church, to clock in and clock out. And when God offers us a relationship with Jesus, it, it can so easily just become religion. It can just become, well, I showed up on Sunday and I did the church thing and now I'm just going to go about life. And and I just think at that, we're missing something. Like we have a God in heaven who desires personal relationship with you and with me. And so I wanna clear up the question, does God speak to us? Because he does. So John chapter 10 verse 27 says, the sheep that are my own hear my voice and they listen to me. I know them and they follow me. And this is Jesus talking here, and in this, this portion of the scripture, he had just compared himself to being a good shepherd, a good shepherd who takes good care of the sheep. So what he's saying here is the sheep that are mine, the people that are mine, they hear my voice, they recognize my voice, they know me. And so I want you to know that you can hear God's voice. And so now the question is, how? <laughs> how do I hear God's voice? And, and so I just wanna encourage you not to dismiss some of the, the simple ways that God speaks to every single one of us. Um, the first way that God clearly speaks to us is through his word. It's through the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. So when we hear the word of God, that is one way that God speaks to us. Now we may not always like everything that it says, but that doesn't mean that God's not speaking to us yeah, through the word. Good. And so you need to know at the Movement Church, every single time you show up from this platform, we are going to teach and preach based upon the Word of God. So you can know that in your own personal time as you read the Bible and in the times that you show up on a Sunday morning that you are going to hear the Word of God communicated, whether you're reading it or listening to it, and that is one way of hearing God's voice. You know, have you ever come to church on a Sunday or sat in a church on a Sunday and, and just felt like the person who was communicating or preaching was talking directly to you? Like maybe they eavesdropped on the fight that you had with your spouse earlier and you were like, they are preaching straight at me. And, and that feeling, I promise you, nobody's been eavesdropping on your conversations. We that, do, actually. <laughs> Siri feeling, tells us everything. Gotta love Siri. That feeling is simply the Holy Spirit leaning in close through a message, through the word of God to illuminate something in your life. And so be aware of that. God is always trying to speak to us. But I also think that one of the ways that we learn to hear the voice of God is through consistent proximity consistent proximity. We've got to actually spend time with God in order to begin to recognize his voice. So Pastor Carrie and I've been married 17 years and we dated for four years before that. So we've been together a long time and I know his voice. I was 14 and she was 32. Without fail, every time we're on this platform together. So listen, I'm, I lost track. You totally messed me up. <laughs> but I know his voice because I've spent time with him. I know he's going to make that joke every time we're 
we're on the platform together because That's I've spent true. time with him. 50% of the time it works every time. I know that one's coming too. But here's the one thing I also know about <laughs> Pastor Kerry is that when he's trying to get someone's attention, he has this whistle. And my children know this whistle. And I know this whistle. So anytime we are anywhere, whether it is in a store or like Nordstrom, wherever we're at, if he can't find us, we are sure to hear the whistle. And, and you know, we all respond to the whistle at this point it's because like we know. Call. We're just coming back together as a family. My youngest daughter, Avery, can't whistle, nor can Megan. Y'all pray yeah, for her. We, she needs I've some tried. serious prayer. But uh, my youngest daughter, Avery, can't whistle, so I'll go, and she'll go, back to me. Wherever. So to Nordstrom, like, calling each other to, and we're not embarrassed, but Megan and Brooklyn are oh just mortified. It's amazing. It's awesome. The point is, we recognize his voice. We recognize when he's looking to get our attention. Our whole team at this point would respond to that whistle because they are running. familiar with it. And so you've got to, in order to familiarize yourself with the voice of God, you actually have to create consistent time that you spend with him. And that, that can be in your own personal quiet time, setting aside distractions, setting aside the cell phones, turning off the music, actually just spending a minute going, God, I need to hear from you. Whatever it might be, it's creating time where I'm gonna make sure I'm, I'm spending time with God. He desires to spend time with us. James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And so you need to create space to be in close proximity with God because as we're in close proximity with him, we learn to recognize his voice. And you know, sometimes you'll have this, this feeling, this, um, what do you, you always call it an impression. If you've ever been to the Welcome to Church party and you've, you've heard me tell my story, I always am like, I just felt God speaking to me. And everyone laughs because I do this every time. But, but it's just this impression, this, this feeling that I've had. And, and, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit will do that. We'll drop a, a thought or a dream, or, or something specific that we need to work on, on our heart. And, and I think the big question for a lot of people is, well, how do I know that that's God and not just me making it up? How do I know it's God and not just me? I mean, that's a big question. And so just a couple references that you can use to weigh that out is, is that prompting of the Holy Spirit is always going to bring conviction, not, it's not condemnation. So condemnation would mean shame. It would mean this feeling of, I am the summation of my choices. I am the summation of my past. The, the prompting of the Holy Spirit is never gonna bring condemnation or shame or this place of I'm never going to be able to get better. That's not the voice of God. So that's one way you can recognize it. The prompting of the Holy Spirit will bring conviction. It will go, ah, you need to work on the way that you talk to your husband. And you, you meant that? Yeah, that awesome. was the Holy Spirit. That was good. <laughs> I felt that. I felt it. It was an impression. That's right. But the prompting of the Holy Spirit might, might go, hey, you need to change that, that habit, that thing that you keep leaning into to, to fill the, the holes, the voids in your life. You, you need to make some changes there. That would be the voice of the Holy Spirit. But the, the voice of shame and condemnation and it's never going to change, that's, that's not the voice of God. Another thing to recognize is that the voice of God is always a voice of peace, not confusion. It's a voice of peace, not confusion. So if you're feeling something and you're wondering whether or not it's God, but you still feel so confused, I would encourage you to wait a little bit longer. 
to pray a little bit longer because the voice of God will always produce peace. It will produce peace. Now that doesn't mean that the voice of God won't prompt you to do something that's gonna require faith or courage or stepping out past fear, but the end result will always be peace. And then if you have this feeling and you feel like God's speaking to you and you still don't know whether or not it's the voice of God, there's a couple things you can do. One, you go, okay, I'm feeling this, God. Does it align with your word? Okay, if it doesn't agree with what the Bible says, you can feel it all day long, but it's not God. If it doesn't align with the word of God, then it's not God. So that is your first and clear sign that you can, you can go, is God speaking to me or not? Does it align with the word of God? And the second thing is, if you feel it, if it aligns with the word of God, then the next great thing you could do is find a leader in your life. Maybe it's a connect group leader, a dream team leader, maybe it's a pastor on staff here at the church or one of our community pastors and you go, hey, I'm feeling this. It aligns with the word of God. What do you think? And usually when all of those things align, you can confidently go, okay, I think this is God and you can feel confident That's in that. Great. That's so good. Um, I specifically love the part about um, does it sound like God? That's so cool. About Does it sound like peace instead of confusion? Does it sound like conviction instead of condemnation? That's so good. Um, I think one of the things that often God is speaking us to do is to share faith. Yeah, that's and cool. um, attached with that, so many people, no matter how long you've walked with God, feel fear with that and are <laughs> afraid to do that. So how can we share faith? How do we do that well? That's a great question. I, a lot of questions came out in about this is, how do, I, how do I actually stand for my faith in, in the culture that we live in? And I think, honestly, if, if, if we were to sit down over coffee and, and, and just be honest with each other, I think both of us, myself included, we would both say, you know what, sometimes this is a challenge. Like, do I? How do I share my faith? How do I uh, stand for what's right? And I, I, just because it's a challenge doesn't mean that we should shy away from it. Right. But I think one thing, I, I'd encourage you to write this down. I think if you're here and you're a Christ follower, you, there's a mandate on your life to be light in darkness, okay, which means that, that there's something about what's in us that we need to share. And I think the first thing that's most important is to live with integrity. Like, that means to actually do what's right. Yeah. <laughs> right? We live in a culture where cheating and deception and lying is okay as long as you're getting to where you want to go. But that is contrary to what the word of God would say. So you know, when you're at, a, at the workplace and you feel tempted to lie because you didn't produce in the manner which you should, don't lie. Like start there. And, and, and you know what? Stay faithful to your spouse. Your spouse, not spouse. And uh, you know, like just do what's right. And, and as much as you can, do what's right. Because people are watching. They're watching. And you know what? They're desperate to know that there is somebody that still is around today that lives with integrity. Integrity is contagious and attractive. I'm telling you, you just live with integrity. But you need to know, man, the marketplace, corporate America, the places where we work and live, they need strong integrity yeah. in, in right now. The marketplace needs strong leaders. Listen, our schools need strong teenagers who are gonna actually stand up for what's right and not be swayed by culture. I think our communities need this, right? We, we live in this, uh, in Orange County, I feel like so often it's easy to pull into our driveway and pull into a garage, shut the garage, and not talk to anybody that we do life with. And yet there's so many people that actually need what you have to offer. And, and some of that just simply starts with getting connected, right? It's 
starts with having conversations. And so whether it's in your workplace or in your neighborhood or wherever it is that God has you, I, I think one of the greatest things you can do to be able to share your faith is actually start with asking other people their story. Ask other people, what, so tell me your story. And then listen. Like, listen for a while, hear their story, hear the nuances of their past, listen to the things that they've walked through, and ask them. You can, this is a question we use all the time. What's your faith background? That may be a crazy question to ask, but listen, I'm just telling you what it does is it gets people thinking, oh, well, you know, I went to church as a kid, or I grew up uh, in the Catholic church, or whatever it is there might, their story might be, it creates an opportunity for you to hear where they're coming from. And, and so I don't know if you wanted to and jump in there. have a conversation. Yeah. I think that's yeah. crucial. And it's okay. Hey, look at me. And everybody, just everybody take a deep breath. It's okay if you don't have all the answers. Yeah. That's okay. What if they ask me about the Trinity? How am I supposed to answer that? Just say, here, try this one. Actually, I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right if you don't have Unless all the Unless you do answers. and you, have a theo- you want to Actually, break it maybe down, you that's should great. Just, maybe you shouldn't. <laughs> it might, anyway, so just, it's okay if you don't have all of the answers. Just ask the questions. I think a lot of times we don't ask the questions because of two things. For some reason in America, it's become politically incorrect to talk about your own personal faith. Yeah. And I think we got to change that narrative. Absolutely. And second, we're afraid they're going to ask us questions. So don't be afraid to not have the answers. Let me tell you another great tip. Proving someone wrong very rarely leads to salvation. I got you. Now pray this prayer with me. Right? Like that just doesn't, it doesn't happen. So, so stop trying to prove people wrong. You know what the Bible says leads to repentance? It was the kindness of Jesus which leads to repentance. So just have integrity and be kind. And, 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 don't, and just don't be flaky. Like sooner or later, they're going to come to you with questions. And if you don't have the answers, you don't have to have them. It's okay. Just point them to Jesus and bring them with you to church. And you need to know this, too. Everybody raise your hand right now. Everybody hold your hand up. Great. Awesome. And you put it back down. I'm talking to you. If you raise your hand, I'm talking to you. If you didn't, I'm still talking to you. There's power in your story. Your story. Not my story. Not Megan's story. Your story. So Noah Nelson, there's power in your story. Trey Parham, there's power in your story. I'm talking to them because they started getting fidgety and they're teenagers. There's power in Ashton. There's power in your story. You need to know that. Clement, there's power in your story. It doesn't matter. Nicholas, there's power in your story. So it doesn't matter where you've come from and what you've walked through. There's power in your story. And people can't argue with your story. They can argue theology, but they can't argue with your story. Are you tracking with me? So there's power in your story. Can I share something on that before you jump in? I know I will. So I think one of the things by asking someone else's story, you you learn what parts you can share of your story because every one of us that calls ourselves a Christ follower, we we have an experience with Jesus that should be transformational in our life in in some way. And and I had a a friend that um, I was going to to get eyelashes done. And uh, and she... (laughs) That was not a question that came in. Megan, where do you get your eyelashes done? Did y'all submit that one? No. no I, I, but I'm just, I want to give you just a quick story. And I, and I asked her, so tell me about yourself while she was sitting there doing that. And so she told me this story and, and had lost, she had lost her mom three years prior and was really mad at God. 
And, and understandably, because when we walk through loss, there's so much pain and so much grief that's attached with that. And the thing that I knew was right there in that moment is I had an opportunity to share my story. My story may not be like wild and crazy, but you know what? I lost my dad 11 and a half years ago, and I had to walk through a moment where I had to process grief. And so my story is that I couldn't have walked through that without the grace of Jesus. Yeah, I couldn't have gotten through that painful time in my life without the grace of God who carried me, who gave me strength when I felt weak, who filled me with hope when I felt so discouraged. And so for me, that was my story. So what's your story? What, what's your story? What's your experience with Jesus that has changed something in your life? Because that's the part you want to get to, and that's the part you want to share. And don't be afraid to ask the question, do you want to start with Jesus today? A lot of times we won't do that because we're terrified of rejection. What if they say no? That's okay. If they reject you, you're among good company. Jesus was the stone that the builders rejected. He showed up on this earth for the sins of humanity, and the very people he came to bring salvation to put him on a cross. Yeah. Listen, God has placed, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes, eternity in the hearts of every man and every woman and every boy and every girl, which means every human agnostic atheist, Muslim, Hindu, Jewish, Christian, Catholic, it doesn't matter. Every human has a desire for God, whether they can put that framework around it, this need to be known by God and that I have a purpose. And here's the crazy component. Look at me in the eyes. God crafted, handcrafted their life to intersect with your life. And you have the profound ability to be the transformation for them. And maybe all you have to do is ask the question. Yeah. And if they say yes, then you say, you know what? You're going to pray a prayer with me. And listen, I'm going to do the same prayer at the end of this service. Spoiler alert. This is why we exist. And the prayer is something like this. You don't have to have a degree in Bible or theology to know how to help people pray. Jesus, I need you. Yeah. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And then this right here, Jesus, I give you my life. And I'm telling you, if you and I can just step up to the plate, man, God will use our lives to help bring transformation to people. And if you don't know how to do that part, just invite them to church. Because every Sunday, we'll give people a chance to pray a prayer just like that. I'm going to pray That's specifically good. at the end of the service that God gives us all opportunities to share our faith this week. This week. <laughs> so get ready. Get ready. <laughs> I love that God intersects specific people with our path. And I think that what you'll find as you pursue, the, pursue that, that when you ask people their faith background and their story, that there'll be a small part of your story that will line up with theirs. And you'll be yeah. able to speak to it just like Pastor Megan was yeah. sharing about where she got her yeah. head. <laughs> but all right, well, we talked about externally, how do we share our faith? But what about internally when we're not okay? And we say all the time here, it's okay to not be okay. And that's so true. But how do we move through that? We had a lot of questions come in about how do we deal with depression and anxiety. So could you just speak to that? Yeah, I can. Uh, to a certain extent, I think. And, and I think because that's part of my story, 
uh, is really struggling with depression and anxiety and not like in my younger years, but like when I was pastoring this church in year two. And can I, first service, I was actually overwhelmed by the amount of people who've walked through some of that. If you're here and you feel open to it, and you've ever struggled with depression or anxiety, would you raise your hand for a moment? Wow, see there's a lot, there's a lot of people that struggle with this, so it's a, it's a real deal. So first let me just go ahead and say for my therapists that are in the room, <laughs> there are attributes to depression and anxiety that desperately need a therapist and perhaps even medication. And we're proponents for therapy, so I wanted to start there. I am not a licensed therapist, so uh, anything I say today, you cannot hold it against me in a court of law. Uh, you're not paying me for this session, so uh, you know, you know, yeah, you get what I'm saying. But I, I just want to start there. There are some nuances to this that are so so big and profound that you you might need some some professional help, and we're okay with that. If you don't know where to go, we can help you. We have great connections with therapists locally here. Uh, that you can go and see. But I think Megan's got a couple of things to share. Yeah, just, just to start, uh, just an anchor, just a starting point. I'm talking with dealing with depression and anxiety because every single one of us, whether it's something that we consistently battle or not, every single one of us knows what that feels like. The, the feeling of where my heart's racing and I just feel overwhelmed or I just feel so discouraged. I, I think we can all identify with that. And so if you're taking notes, a great thing to write down is Philippians chapter four. This is in the Bible. Again, this is the word of God speaking to us. And if you, if you can write that down and read this, this is a great place to start, Philippians chapter four, because it gives us some tools that we can all use when we're struggling with depression and when we're struggling with anxiety. There's actually a scripture in Philippians chapter four that says, be anxious about nothing but in everything. So it's saying, listen, be anxious about nothing. And we're going, huh, how do I do that? It says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. So what's it saying? Talk to God about it. Whatever it is that is overwhelming you, whatever it is that is making you feel anxiety, whatever it is that's making you feel so discouraged, you have permission to talk to God all about it. Take it to God. It says with prayer and petition. Petition is going, God, could you do something in this situation? It's asking him for what you need, but it follows that with thanksgiving. So there's something there about gratitude. In the moment of feeling overwhelmed, in the moment of feeling anxious, in the moment of being feeling depression sinking in, it's going, I can bring these prayers and these requests to God, but I need to do it with thanksgiving. So what do you have that you could be grateful for? I think sometimes we struggle with that, right? We're like, I don't even know what to be grateful for. And, and so I would just say, take a deep breath and God, thank you that I'm breathing, yeah. right? There's something right there that we can be thankful for. And so if you're struggling with this, start by bringing the prayer to God. Going, God, I'm struggling. Here's where I'm at. I desperately need you. I'm so grateful that I'm breathing today. Or I'm so grateful for whatever it might be. You fill in the blank. We find something to be grateful for. And the verse continues. And then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. That means you can't understand it. You can't explain it, you can't create it. The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So this is a tool that every one of us can use. Pray, ask God, bring some thanksgiving and trust that he's gonna fill us with peace. And the following verse will give us some more instruction of what to do and I'm gonna butcher it because I don't have it memorized. But it talks about this, finally brothers and sisters, whatever is pure, whatever is excellent, whatever is worthy to be praised, whatever is good, think about these things. So what it's saying is it's going, actually, let's choose 
to fix our thoughts on something that is good. Let's choose to fix our thoughts on something that is right, on something that is honorable, on something that's worthy of praise. Search for it, look for it. Whatever you can do, find it and think about that. And there's, that's a tool that every single one of us can use as we are navigating through feelings that might feel anxious or feelings that might feel sad. We can use the tools that the word gives us in that's Philippians great. 4. I think it's also important to note that isolation is the devil's playground. Yes. So when I was slipping into depression, I would, on Sunday nights, just pull my hoodie up over my head and sink into the corner of my couch, and I was letting no one in on the journey. And it was just darker and darker and darker. And then what happens is the enemy then convinces me through what sounds like my own thoughts that this is as good as it's going to get, and nobody can understand me. So you need to know that you probably need some people in your life that can speak hope and life into you. I mean, that's one of the reasons that we do connect groups, which is about to start this semester. But you need to know that the isolation is the devil's playground. Another thing you need to know is control is an illusion. You don't control anything except for your thoughts and your actions. You don't control anything. That scripture she just talked about, be anxious for nothing. The word anxious literally means taking responsibility for things you are not responsible for. Wow. So a lot of times we're anxious about our marriage because it seems like it's in shambles, but I'm trying to control Megan's actions, and I can't. <laughs> Good Lord, you know I can't. <laughs> so what, what, hey, here's a question to ask. What are you taking responsibility for that you have no business doing that with? And I just wonder what would shift if we said, okay, God, I, I'm going to put this back on you. You're in charge. Does that make sense? And then you fight both verbally by reminding yourself of the truth of God's yeah. word. I have a morning mantra that's on my mirror in my bathroom, and I rehearse it. I know it. I have it memorized, and I say it every day because some of you guys are awesome, and you're stronger than that. I, I'm not. I need to remind myself that God is for me, that he's created me as a conqueror. Are you track with me? And I put specific things in there that are pertinent to my purpose and calling to remind myself out loud so I can hear myself Say those words to remember. And here's nothing to, to ask as we're rapidly closing out this question. <laughs> what recharges your soul? What recharges your soul? Like I, the permission to play here, like the base is that the assumption that you are already choosing to incorporate the word of God and prayer into your life. So in addition to that, what recharges your soul? For some, it could be working out. If you're struggling with anxiety and you're a dude, this is one of the best things that you can do because working out is a natural release for the testosterone that's building up. And so you need to know that. Maybe you need to work out. And it's a benefit because you get healthier too. <laughs> your wife's been telling you for years it's time to jump on it. Maybe for some of you... Somebody just got blessed right there. That, that was it. That was, that was the moment. For some, it could be the beach. Listen, we're paying for the beach. Let's yes. just take advantage of the beach and go and sit, breathe in the salty air, and just have a conversation with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Get some coffee. Some, I mean, how long has it been since you've been to the beach just to sit there? Mm. And you, here's our, our rule is the toes have to be in the sand or it doesn't count. So some of you need to go do that today. For some, it could be reading. Can I give you a little secret? Pull back the curtain on my life. <laughs> Every week for a minimum of one hour, I go and read in a beautiful place and I read a science fiction novel and it's amazing you know why because I don't have to think when I read it <laughs> maybe it's being around people Megan recharges around people like just getting to talk and speak and and that's a good thing so you know what that's called it's called a Sabbath 
What recharges your soul is called a Sabbath. It's kind of crazy. It's like God built this in, hardwired it into our DNA. In fact, he said, there's 10 things that I want you to make sure are a priority. Don't murder. Like, thank you, God, for putting that in the books. That is yep. good. Yep. Don't commit adultery. Yep. Don't steal. Don't lie. There's only one God. Don't worship another God. And number four wedged right in the middle is this one that says, remember the Sabbath and keep it Holy, some yeah, of you are struggling good. because you're running and gunning 90 miles an hour every minute of every day, and you just need to chill. <laughs> hey, I just gave you like $5,000 worth of therapy for free. You are welcome. <laughs> so I want to tell you that's what has helped me. Um, be blessed. Yeah, that was a good. cheap therapy session. So you just benefited from me spending a lot of money to get my jacked up mind fixed. So anyways, that's enough. That's great. Well, that was think, horrible laughter, by the way. I felt like it was going to be a little funnier on that one. <laughs> so good. Um, all right. So as we, our last question is a doozy but, and can encompass so much. But so many people wanted to know, how do I take my walk with God to the next level? And how do I grow deeper in my faith? So, and there's good. so much to that. But in yeah. just the little bit of time I have left, could you just speak yeah, to that? That's a great question. And I think it's one that is, is so, it, it's so crucial. There was some research done recently where they pulled, uh, actually now it's closer to half a million people who are church goers uh, to find out about spiritual growth and development. And, and this is one of the biggest questions. How do I grow spiritually? And so I think probably one thing I would say right off the bat is, is that the ownership is on you to grow spiritually. Yeah. That it's our prerogative as individuals to be self-feeders, right? Can you imagine if you had a child and they wanted to get in the high chair and you feed them uh, by spoon when they're 16 years of age? You're like, no, <laughs> when they're 28 and they just still want you to feed them? No, it's ridiculous, right? There comes a moment where we have to be self-feeders spiritually saying, okay, God, I'm going to take the ownership on me to grow my faith walk. But yeah. we also do need to know that we need people that come alongside of us. So it's my the ownership is on me to grow spiritually, but I can't do it alone. Yeah, Does that make sense? Good. That's great. I think one of the greatest things that, that we can do is be in the Word of God. We've said that on almost every question. Why? Because the nature of God is conveyed through His Word, right? Yeah. So we've created a tool for you. That's what the church does do is we provide tools to help you grow spiritually. You can go to the ocmovement.com forward slash read, and then you can find our reading plan called Step Reading. We tell you what chapter to read each day. We tell you how to unpack the scriptures. So there's no excuses. I'm just telling you, it is is one of the best and the most important things that you can do. Yeah. But listen, look at me right here for a moment. I know the band's coming on stage. You're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? Jeremy <laughs> does this every week, but for some reason I'm distracted today. <laughs> Spiritual growth isn't just information exchange. Yeah, that's great. It's transformational. Yep. So I actually have to take what I'm reading and apply it to my life. The James says that faith without works is dead. Here's that works component. I'm not trying to work to earn my salvation or work to earn God's love, but if transformation is taking place, then I actually need to adjust yeah. something in my life. I need to do something in my life. Transformation is taking place. I need to do something, and when I'm active with my faith, it actually accelerates my spiritual growth. Otherwise, I just get more information. But that's not what this journey about is about. It's not just getting more information. It's about allowing the God and the Holy Spirit to do a transformational work within our lives. So here, I want to yeah, give you a, cup, a quick equation. So if you're not taking notes, this would be Start worth now. writing down. Write this down. Within the context of community, within the context of community,
community, these four things in my life will always equate to spiritual growth, no matter. This can work for those of you that maybe just prayed a prayer within the last few weeks to say yes to Jesus, or for Michael Caldron, who's been walking with the Lord for, I think Judy told me, 82 years now, but I'm not positive, somewhere around those lines. Uh, 81, sorry, 81 years. It doesn't matter where we're at in the faith persuasion Within the context of community, surrender, subtraction, addition, and multiplication. Surrender, subtraction, addition, and multiplication. So first I have to start a relationship with Jesus and that starting point is surrender. I say yes to Jesus, but guess what people? That should be a daily journey that we're in every day. I wake up and I surrender my life. Paul said daily take up your cross and follow me. You know what? The cross is not something sexy that we wear on a chain around our neck. The cross is a representation of where my will intersects with the will of God. The things that I want for my life, they they contrast in comparison to what God wants for my life. So it's daily saying, God, I I need you right now. I I want to do that, but I know you want me to do this, so I'm going to choose to surrender. God, I I, I want to be this kind of husband, but you want me to be that kind of husband, so I choose to surrender. So spiritual growth always starts with and continually starts daily with surrender. But the next part is subtraction. And I've got to ask myself the question. I feel like preaching. I've got to ask myself (laughs) the question, what are the things in my life that I need to remove right now? You, you and I need to be asking ourselves this question daily. What are the habits that I'm holding on to that are destructive in my life? What are the relationships that I'm in, whether it's a dating relationship or a friendship that I'm in that is destructive in my life? What are the things that I need to remove? And here's the crazy thing about the way that the Holy Spirit works. I don't have to give you a list of things you need to remove. He leans in with the convicting power and he taps you on the proverbial shoulder and says, hey, There's better things for you. This isn't your best life. So surrender plus subtraction. That's great. Now, within the context of community, why? I need community because I'm not strong enough, no matter how strong I think I am. If I'm trying to subtract something from my life that has been a part of my life for 25 years, I need Michael. I need to be in a connector with Michael and say, hey, I'm trying to get rid of this habit in my life Megan's been talking to me about it for years, but I, I need you. And I'm not strong enough. Will you be there for me? And Michael said, absolutely. I've been walking with the Lord for 104 years. I'll oh show you exactly how to do it. I have to. I'm just giving him a hard time. I love Michael. He doesn't love me. But a surrender and, and subtraction in the context of community and then addition. So now I've got to ask myself, what are the spiritual disciplines and habits that I need to weave into my life? What are the things that I need to add? There's this whole passage of scripture in Galatians that talks about the fruit of the spirit, which are love and joy. How many know sometimes we need a little joy in our life? Yes. When life really sucks, joy is a choice. Yeah. Y'all track with me and quote that one. Love, joy, (laughs) peace, patience. How many of you know sometimes we need some patience? Can I get a, if you're, sometimes in marriage we need some patience. Sometimes with children we need some, sometimes with our parents. Come on, somebody in this place. (laughs) Teenagers, put your hands down. It's too too soon. Too soon. (laughs) 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And the last one is the easiest. <laughs> Self-control. Self right? Yeah. One of the things I need to add, pick one and work on it for a month. Heck, work on it for a year. I mean, think about that. Adding to it. Hey, maybe it's tithing. Well, I like everything the Bible says except for that one. Why, why is that one the challenge? You know, I, I would just, can I just be a pastor for a moment? Yeah, come on. I would just challenge you that if you're a Christ follower and you're saying, I trust God with everything, but you're not tithing, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. God hardwired this into us. Why? Because he knew we'd struggle the most with our finances. So try it out. He said, test me. Not PC. God said that. Yeah. And maybe for some of us in this room today, tithing is the next step to grow spiritually, to begin to trust God with a 90% instead of trusting myself with 100%. The marks of a Christian found in Romans chapter 12, verse 9, one of the components of that scripture says that we should rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And yet so often we get frustrated when good things happen to people around us and not to us. What are the things you need to add to your life? Are you tracking with me? You want to grow spiritually, daily surrender, start removing some of the junk and start adding the spiritual things to my life that God has already plainly written out in the word, but always within the context of community. And lastly is multiplication. Multiplication. What's the fruit of your life right now? Like, like where, where is, is this transformation that God is doing in your life, where is that evident in the life of someone else? Whose life are you currently influenced? Well, I don't know if I have all the insight and the knowledge. Well, Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, when you know enough about the Bible, go make disciples. He said, go make disciples. In the first century church, they would roll into a city, preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. People would get saved. They would plant a church. And three months later, they would leave and put a pastor in place. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. You've known Jesus for three months? Perfect. You're the pastor. I'm out. <laughs> now, I'm not suggesting you do that. <laughs> but I'm saying, whose life are you influencing? Whose life? Who's in your connect group? Well, I don't really have a connect group. Why? What are you waiting on? You, you can't grow spirits. Listen, Sunday is a spiritual catalyst. But life change. And transformation always takes place within the context of relationships. Always. It's when we sit down over coffee and we just talk about how, man, my marriage isn't perfect, which is okay to say in Orange County. And we're trying to get better. And we have a conversation with, with Scott and Gurley who've got a great marriage. And then we navigate through this together. And if you're not in a connect group, jump in one this semester. And if you're not leading one, why not? We don't just do things because we're trying to make your life busy. Oh, you know, that's what they need right now. I don't know what why I voice? did that. Every time. Every time. I feel the tension, so I feel like I need to make you laugh. I'm ADD. Get over it. And so at a minimum, attend a connect group. But make this a part of the journey of your life. It is a, Our spiritual prerogative is to be growing spiritually. We have a mandate from God. Why? So that we can just know more information. No, so we can keep changing people's lives. We're about to start a brand new semester. When you walk out, there will be a tower the size of Texas that has all the information on it. 
find it. Mine meets on Saturdays. Shameless plug. It's the best one. There are other good ones, but come to mine. Anyways, <laughs> regardless, plug into a connector. Why? Because we need to grow spiritually. Are you tracking with me right now? Great. Man, great. I feel like I'm preaching on top of questions. I don't know okay. if there's another question or not. That's it? Is there something else? What should no, I do? I don't know. You're good. You're right good. Now. Hey, I know we went a little bit late movement church, but can we just thank our pastors for talking so freely? Thousands of dollars of therapy right here today. So take it away. It's all yours. Am I? Are y'all leaving me? We are leaving you. Okay. Well, I guess I'll do something now. Hey, thanks for giving us a little extra time today. Man, I just, I'm going to just kind of go off script a little bit. Um, I just, I, I, here's what I know. There is this gravitational pull on your life to be mediocre in your faith. And I legitimately, I don't want anything from you, but I legitimately want to transform the spiritual fabric of Orange County. And I can't do that on my own, nor can you, but together we can do something quite amazing there every empty seat around us represents a life that is not transformed yet it represents a marriage desperately hanging on by a thread going is there any hope for our future it represents a teenager who's going to school aimlessly with no one speaking life into their life and so all of it can seem overwhelming when 2.7 million people live in the county that we live in and have no connection or affiliation to a church it can seem like how in the world can we actually make a cognitive difference in this but yet God organically designed and intricately placed each of us within the life of each other right here right now that if we just merely collaborate and we work on the things internally to grow spiritually and just choose to not be selfish with that transformation, but to constantly see who can I make a difference in the life of the, the people that I live near, the people that I work with. When we do those simple things, God aligns our life to actually change the world one life at a time, one city at a time, one county at a time. And I just would hate for us to get to eternity. The Bible says that we are heading at life speed towards eternity. Do you remember when it finally dawned on you? Oh my gosh, I graduated 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 40 years ago, whatever it might be. Or, oh my goodness, I was just in third grade five years ago, wherever you're at. And you're like, man, time has flown by. Guys, it doesn't slow down. And there will be a day where we stand before Jesus, whether you believe this or not. That's the scariest thing about it. The Bible says there will come a moment where every single knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But in that moment, there are only two directions for our life, for eternity. That's either heaven or hell. And man, I don't want to get to that moment and think I missed opportunities with people around me because I got selfish with my life. And so if we'll just focus on Growing our life spiritually and being a light in darkness, we will not figure everything out. We will not live a perfect life, but my goodness, we'll make a difference. I don't want us to, I don't want to be an apathetic church to the needs of the people around us and just do Sunday mornings. And the onus is on each of us as individuals to dive in personally. And I believe if we do that, we really can make a difference.
I've taken so much of your time, so I'm going to take a moment right now and quickly redirect every eye up here, everyone looking at me before we move any further in this journey. The, the founding block for this whole thing is a relationship with Jesus. Not, not, not good works, not church membership, but starting by saying yes to who Jesus is. And here's the good news. You don't have to eradicate your past. But there's a starting block for you. And some of you in this room, look at me in the eye. Some of you in this room have never started with Jesus. You've toyed with the idea. Maybe you're not even sure what it is that you believe. But at the same time, you know that God's doing something on the inside. In a moment, if that's you with no embarrassment, not getting out of your seat, but right where you're seated, I'm going to pray a prayer and we're going to change that today. And there are some of us in this room who have been flirting with life and faith and destiny. And today's the day to change that by coming, running back to God, saying, I'm surrendering today again for the first time in a long time that I can get my eyes fixed on the upward call of Christ Jesus and get my life in order and going in the right direction. And some of you in this room need to pray this prayer again for the first time in a long time that we can realize why we're here and what we're called to accomplish. Would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes and bow your heads? Nobody looking around. I'm going to ask nobody to leave and move around right now. But if you're here and you've never prayed this prayer with no embarrassment to you, don't let this moment pass without saying yes to who Jesus is. And if you are here and you've been playing with your faith and your destiny and it's time to pray this prayer again, don't let this moment pass. But every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm going to ask that everyone pray this out loud with me today and don't make me say it twice. Just start from the beginning with all the faith you can muster. I want everyone to say, dear God. No, no, everyone, dear God, I know that you're real. I know that you love me. I know that you've given me purpose. I'm not perfect, God. Would you forgive me? Heads bowed, eyes closed. I want everyone in this room just to make this declaration. And for those of you that have never prayed this prayer, it's time to pray it for real. I want you to mean it from the depths of your heart right now. I want you to say it out loud. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.